0: This is Nova Church, Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a nova life, a new life. We're so thankful. Today, uh, a little different. I'm sitting down. I'm in teaching mode today on this uh, amazing Sunday, Pentecost Sunday in the Christian calendar. Today's a little different, and I want to sit down. I'll be reading more than I'll be standing and preaching because today is so important for us as a church our culture it's important for you and for me and i want to share today i would encourage you if you can to focus in today worship is so good so thankful for sheila and christian and melissa and the worship so thankful for for production team for making it happen on many levels uh but today would you tune in and would you would you focus in i believe god has something for us today if you have your bible can you turn to acts chapter 2 I want to start reading in verse uh, 1, Acts chapter 2. I want to read 13 verses today, and then I'm going to unpack some things and believe God's going to help you today. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people from Galilee, and yet we are hearing them speak in our own native languages. Here we are. And then he goes through and they list all the languages. You have uh, all these languages and Newphanese isn't in there, but I'm sure it was. Someone was speaking Newphanese. Then it says this. And we all hear these people speaking, in verse 11, in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. What were they sharing in these other languages? In Eastern languages and Arab languages and all the languages of the day. They were sharing the wonderful things that God has done. Verse 12. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They're just drunk, that's all. I don't know about you, but when people are drunk, they get less coherent, not more coherent. And these people were sharing the good news of what God has done. Verse 14, then Peter stepped forward, the same Peter that was a coward, the same Peter that hid, the same Peter that ran from a teenage girl that was accusing him of being with Jesus, the same Peter in this moment, in the center of town, filled with boldness, steps forward. And the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, the man that hid, just a few chapters earlier, is now shouting to a crowd. Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you assume. But it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, and it's too early for that. And he went on to say, this is what the prophets have prophesied, that his spirit has been poured out. Today, for the next few minutes, I want to teach us and talk about this topic, Weird Church weird church. You like that title? I love that title. Got some people asking some questions. It's time for some weird church. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you are with us, that you don't change, though our world is changing. God, today we sit here on this Sunday morning, and it seems like our continent, it seems like America and even Canada is on fire today. Father, we thank you that you help us and that your word is relevant yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that this gospel, this wonderful news works in good seasons and tough seasons. Father, we pray for peace and we pray for change. Father, we just don't want peace without change. We need change. We need to see some things change in our culture. We need to see things change. We're asking today that you would help us be more effective than ever as the church. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? Would you make yourself real today through these screens of all sizes, through people watching all over our province, our city, and our world? Would you make yourself real, Holy Spirit? We love you. We need you. We pray for our law enforcement. We pray for uh, our, 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 our black community. We pray for every minority. We pray for our cities. We pray for justice. We pray for change. We pray, God, that we would be better. Father, thank you for each one watching. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk about the most misunderstood topic and the most misunderstood person in the Bible and in our faith. So misunderstood. I want to talk to you today about the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I taught this message uh, last year in our church. And I don't think I've ever gotten a message with so many comments, text messages, and replies personally from people that I know and love and I've been in church and faith with. I've, I don't think I've ever gotten more responses than this message. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I want to reshare it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I believe it's a message that needs to be reshared. It needs to be retaught. It needs to become some, move from our head to our heart to our spirit and be a part of our lives. But I also wanted to get it on camera. I wanted to get it out there on film so we can reference it over and over and over. It's funny, when I taught this message, when we shared this, I said to at the time we were meeting in person with hundreds, and I said, I know what you're thinking. This is it. This is the Sunday Nova Church gets weird. And when I said that, after two and a half years of meeting, I said, I know what you're thinking. This is I'm talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. This is the Sunday church gets weird and the whole church laughed. And then I said, some of you are laughing, but you're really nervous as you're laughing. And as I said that, they laughed even harder. And there was this tension in the room. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood person in our faith, in scripture. I believe the Baptism of the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood topic in our faith. And today, here's what I'm going to do today. When I shared this, people in our church said, this is it. This is the Sunday. Nova gets weird. This is the day. This is the day there's going to be chauffeurs and there's going to be weird stuff. This is the Sunday. And some of you have been watching and maybe you've been coming to our church or streaming online going, this is the Sunday. It gets weird. But today I want to just encourage you. I'm, for the next few minutes, I'm going to unpack Scripture. I'm going to read Scripture. Then I'm going to share my personal story. And then I'm going to pray for you. That's it. I'm going to read some Scripture, unpack it. I'm going to share what God has done in my life personally. And then we're going to pray. And I'm going to believe today that it will be another level, a turning point in your faith and in my faith. I believe today as a church, in a season where we need God more than ever, that though we're not assembling together in person, we are together in spirit and in unity, that I believe that in your job, as some of you even going back to work, as we're as, we're as a community, as a city, as a nation, and beyond, that we will see change and go to another level today. Here's what I want to ask you today to do. I want to ask you to be open to more of God, would you do that today in the comfort of your home? All I'm asking is that you would be open that there is more of God. I have this saying in my life I've, I've used for years and because I've seen a lot of things that, that I don't know are of God and things that people try to push on people. But I say this, and in our family we say this, God, if you're in it, I want it. If you're not in it, I don't want it. But God, if you're in it, I want it. I just ask you today, as I unpack scripture and share my story and then pray, to be open that there could be more to this faith, more of God than maybe you have experienced. In scripture, in John, you have in John chapter 13, you have the Last Supper. In, in John chapter 17, you have the prayer in the garden before Jesus would be, was betrayed and went to the cross. In the middle, these chapters, these three to four chapters in the middle, really it's the last moments and days of Jesus' life. And we know this from life that the important things come to focus as we end our life. Jesus knew he was in his last days. So his topics became very focused on what was more important, what he really wanted to be a lasting impression with his disciples. And then 13 was the Last Supper where we get Communion. In, in 17, he's, he's getting ready to go to the cross, but in the middle, we have John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus tells for the first time really that he's going away and he's gonna send someone else. Now, it's important in these chapters that he's he's not sending an it, he's sending a person. He says, I'm going away between communion of the Last Supper and before he gets to the garden, before he gets betrayed by Judas, he gets led to prison, and eventually the cross. In the middle there, he starts saying, by the way, guys, a transition is happening. I'm leaving soon. But I'm sending another person, a him. I'm sending the person of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to read some verses from Scripture and unpack who is this person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised is coming. Why was it important that Jesus left and he came and what should we expect when we meet this person of the Holy Spirit? In John chapter 14, and I'm going to skim over these scriptures, but in verse 16, in the New King James Version, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit, he calls him a helper. And he says he's going to be with you, but he's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you, this helper. In John 14, 25, and 26, again he says he's going to be a helper, and in chapter 15 verse 26 again he calls him a helper in 16 verse 7 again in this these four, 3 chapters he says this helper is coming and he says i know it's hard for you to believe but it's better that i go away and that he comes it's an advantage that i go away and that he comes he calls him a helper and then in chapter 16 verses 12 and 13 Jesus says this amazing statement. He says, I have many more things still yet to tell you, but I'm going. But when he comes, he will guide you. He will teach you. He says there's more to learn. He says this helper is going to continue teaching. He's going to be in you and with you, and he's going to continue training you, helping you, and telling you the direction from God the Father. It's to your advantage that I go away. In the New King James Version, he call, uh, the Scripture calls the Holy Spirit the helper. In other versions, it calls him the comforter. It calls him an advocate. Uh, the word helper in the original language that it was translated from, this was written, Scripture in the New Testament was written in Greek. It's my favorite salad, but it's also uh, what the language of the day was. And Scripture was written in Greek in the New Testament. And the original word where they get this word advocate, comforter, uh, or helper from was the Greek word Paracleto. I know what you're thinking, Mike, it's Sunday morning, I got kids running around the house, and you're talking about Greek. But this word parakleto, if you break it down, it's really two words, the words para and the word kleto. The word para, the root of that means is to, to, to help alongside. Sometimes we, I know even as teachers right now, we can You upload assignments for students, but then you get on these video calls, Google Hangouts or Zoom, and you try to walk alongside your students to understand. That's why it's even challenging right now in this time because when you're in person at school, when someone has a question, you can see it in their eyes. You can see their hand go up or maybe their facial expression, their frustration. And what do teachers do? They, they come alongside and they help. The word para is the help alongside, not from behind, not from above, not from in the future or the past, to be right alongside. And the word cledo actually means to walk. Really, this helper means to walk alongside, which is fascinating to me because one thing I've learned about life and faith is it's a journey. Where you started is not where you stay. Have you realized that yet? Uh, just me and my wife just celebrated our 20th anniversary. We're both in now 45, and we're talking about how different we are now than when we got married 20 years ago, how different we are now from our 20s, 30s. You don't stay where you started. And I'm so thankful that Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper, the paracleto, which means he helps alongside. But not only when you start this journey, he's committed to walking with us as we go. That means that he not only starts with us, but he's that extra help. He is that that, that tutor. He is that tour guide that just, just doesn't tell us where to go. He says, no, no, I'm gonna be with you on this journey. What a picture of the Holy Spirit, the helper, that he, he helps us right beside us, but where we go, he goes. And as we go on this journey, the Holy Spirit comes with us. Why is the Holy Spirit better for us than having Jesus here? Have you ever thought that? Like, why couldn't Jesus just stay? Like, There's this movement growing up. What would Jesus do? The bracelets, the t-shirts? I would rather have Jesus here so I could just Instagram message him, maybe stop by and visit him. Maybe it'd be like Disney World. You could just go to a place wherever he is and ride the ride and, and book a time and meet with him. But why is it better that Jesus left? Why? Because Jesus was only in one place at one time with people in front of him. The Holy Spirit is with us always. The Holy Spirit is wherever he's welcome And he's always walking alongside of us. The Holy Spirit isn't just with me. He isn't just with uh, a pastor, a leader, a prime minister, a president. He is actually with you today. He's with me today. On your journey and my journey, our different levels and different stages, he walks alongside. It is to our advantage that Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit could come and walk along each one of us on our journey. That's why it's a benefit. Today I want to let you know another truth today is the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not. He's not weird. He gets a bad rap because of weird people in church. (laughs) I don't know if you're laughing right now, but I'm thinking, come on, we have all heard or experienced uh, stories of weird church moments. I grew up in church. If you grew up in church, you may have some weird church moments. Moments, man, they make for some great stories around campfires late at night. But in the moment, they were weird. But the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Here's the truth. People that are weird in church were weird before they came to church. And if they weren't in church, they'd still be weird. Have you realized that yet? Like, everybody's welcome at church. And weird people come to church. I don't know if you feel comfortable smiling or even laughing at that, but it's the truth. There's weird people everywhere. If you're thinking, I've never encountered a weird person at church, I don't know any weird people. The odds are you're the weird one. (laughs) You're the one we all talk about. There are weird people everywhere. And what I've realized in church is that sometimes we get weird moments because the Holy Spirit's not weird, but people go through their lens and their personality and their life, and they were weird before they came to church. They're weird in church and they're weird outside of church, but the Holy Spirit is not weird. I believe that the enemy of our faith, the enemy of our soul wants to disconnect us. His greatest strategy is to disconnect us from the helper that Jesus promised, which is constant help. I don't know about you, but I need some help in this faith journey. And I believe the enemy of our soul, if he can disconnect us, he's like, you want to believe in Jesus? Fine. But if I can disconnect you from daily walk alongside help, you won't be able to keep up, you won't be able to keep going. And if I can disconnect you, I can discourage you. If I can discourage you, I can deny you. And if I can deny you, eventually, I can destroy your faith. I believe that's the main tactic. He does that. How does the enemy does that? He does that by making us focus on the weirdness and primarily on one gift of the Holy Spirit, just one. I haven't seen arguments, divisions. I haven't seen questions about words of knowledge, about healing. It's usually one gift that the enemy tries to make us focus on and make it weird, just one. I, I, you ever hear that That that. that that quote or that line, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We just visit a newborn, socially distancing, but we visit a newborn uh, to a couple, an amazing couple uh, in our church. Baby Riley, we love you. I'm sure you're watching and amening right now as you're only a week old. But when you bath babies, when you bath anybody, the water gets dirty, it's supposed to, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so many times we throw out the person of the Holy Spirit, the helper of the Holy Spirit, because we don't like some of the mess and some of the weirdness. And I thought about this, you see so much corruption in business and politics. Listen, just because a bank and financial uh, institutions are corrupt doesn't mean you stop saving money and using your debit card. Just because you had a bad experience with a bad driver, someone was a bad driver, doesn't mean you avoid getting in cars and using that as a form of travel. But so many times, because of bad experiences with weird people in churches, We throw the baby out with the bathwater. We throw out the help of the Holy Spirit because we don't understand some of the messiness that comes with people and in moments. Leaving many of us to miss out on knowing the helper that is the Holy Spirit. What do we know about the Holy Spirit? He's promised. And he is needed in making this faith a blessing, not a burden. Did you hear that? He's promised to help us Make this faith a blessing, not a burden. We are here to take weight off of people, not to replace it with more weight. So many times, people come into our churches, if I can be honest, and we say, leave your shame at the door, leave your pain at the door, leave your sin at the door, and we take weight off of them, of their regret and their shame and their pain, and they come in burdened down by life and their choices and regrets and abuse and weight and sin and shame. But, Many times, what we do is we put new weight on them, going, "Okay, now you gotta live according to this scripture. You gotta live everything it tells you to do. You gotta talk right, live right. You gotta watch uh, your relationships, your purity, what you think, what you say, how you give, what everything." And we put this weight of religion on them, and we take weight off of them of their past. But then we put this heavy weight of, "You've gotta live up to this expectation of following Jesus." And God is offering us help to walk out our faith. And so many times we take weight off and replace it with even greater weight. People go, man, before church was tough, but now that I'm in church, it's impossible to live this life. God has offered us help to walk out our faith. That's who the Holy Spirit Spirit is as a person. What is the evidence you're saying today, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're a believer today, you're a Christian. How do you know if you have met the person of the Holy Spirit? How do you know if the person of the Holy Spirit is helping walking alongside you? Well, let's unpack some scripture. The first way and evidence that someone is filled with the Holy Spirit is power. In Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. I like that word. A lot of people don't, I'm, gonna, I'm having a hard time sitting down for this point. A lot of people don't associate the word power with church. Here's what they associate with church. Nice people. Soft music. Soft lights. Well-meaning. Potato salad and egg sandwiches. Nice coffee. Soft chairs. Kids ministry. Flannel graphs and veggie tales. And they picture nice. Listen, I'm for all of that except the egg sandwiches. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that there is power. If we've ever needed a church that has power, it's now. What our world needs, turn on the news. We need some power. We don't need some nice people with some nice Instagram quotes trying to encourage people with some nice tweets and positive thinking. We need some power to see change happen. We're not going to confront racism with nice Instagram posts. We need some power. We're not going to deal with injustice and sex trafficking and lust and laziness and apathy and religion on self-power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I am thankful that God's called us to be a part of a church that has power to influence power to change. That when you walk into God's presence, there is power to change you, to help you, to stand you up. That you may have been under it when you walked in, but the power of God lifts you to where you couldn't get on your own, where you didn't belong on your own. He puts you to a place you couldn't get to. I am thankful that the Holy Spirit gives us power. You got power in your life today? The Holy Spirit, when he comes into your life, we got some power, Power to make a difference. Power to get through the tough seasons. Power not just to look after ourselves, but to help somebody else. Power not just to survive, but to thrive. Power to bring the kingdom of God into earth that it looks more like heaven than it did before. Power. I could keep going right there, but I don't have time. Thankful for power of the Holy Spirit. Second evidence of someone filled with the Holy Spirit. Love. Love. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You love people. Love people, whether they agree with you or disagree with you, whether they're like you or unlike you, whether they grew up like you or didn't grow up with you, whether they have your color skin or they don't have your color skin, love. Lust is when you want to get something from somebody. You give emotional connection to get something. Love is when people can give you nothing in return, but you give them whatever you have. You value them, you esteem them, you give them preference. That's love. And evidence of the Holy Spirit being in your life is love. First Corinthians 13 is commonly known as the love chapter. It's read right at weddings. We just got an anniversary gift from people in our church with 1 Corinthians 13 written on it. It's the love chapter. But maybe you don't understand, and maybe you haven't seen that it's bookended. In chapter 12 is all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 13 is all about love. Chapter 14 is all about the abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is all about the person of the Holy Spirit It affects on our life. 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit that he gives us. 14 is the abuse. And right in the middle is love. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, a love comes on you that's beyond your upbringing, your culture, beyond your background. It's a love that is tangible and real and it, it transforms, consumes, and oozes out of your life. That's the Holy Spirit. He helps you. Some of you think, I don't know if I can love those people. I don't know if I can love that person that hurt me. I don't know if I can love the people that I'm running into. When you have the Holy Spirit, He helps you love. That's why Jesus could even love the very people that were nailing Him to a cross. Why? Because it's supernatural. It's the Holy Spirit. I've seen people in church who've treated people horribly, verbally abusive, and they claimed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're in church. Gifts of the Spirit, they're they're, they're doing all the church language, but outside of church, they're verbally abusive uh, and they're mean. Listen, they're filled with the Spirit, all right, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because my Bible says when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you love people in church and out of church. People like you and people unlike you. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, love is seen in your life. Third thing, evidence of the Holy Spirit, there's fruit that is grown in your life fruit that is growing in your life. Change happens. Galatians five twenty two and 23 explains what you should expect to see grow in your life when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Are you catching this? This is a great thing to have growing in your life. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I've realized it's less of what I see happen on a stage that shows me if someone's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's what happens in the streets. It happens behind closed doors. It happens when you're alone. It happens with people that don't agree with you or aren't like you. The fruit that is grown in your life. Here's what's amazing is you may, when you have the Holy Spirit come in your life, it doesn't happen overnight, but these things grow over time, which means... Next week, you have more love, more peace, more joy, more patience, more self-control than you had last week. But next month, you have more. I'm 45 years of age. I've been in this faith journey for a while. And I say, God, if you're real, and you are, Holy Spirit, if you're in my life, and he is, I should be growing in these things more every single week. There's fruit in your life. It's not about a status. It's not about a badge. It's not about just, just just one talent or spiritual gifting in your life, in your prayer life or on a stage. It's about things growing in your life that represent the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's self-control. It's good. That's why it's called the gospel, which means good news. It's growing your life. What's the fourth thing? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what can you expect to be the evidence? Gifts. Another word I like to use are tools, given. The Bible says that when you get filled and and you know the person of the Holy Spirit, fruit starts to grow in your life, but gifts are given to your life. And there's a difference here. Fruit takes time to grow. We were just in the agricultural part of our province called the Valley and the apple blossoms are on the tree. And that's a proof that fruit will be on there this fall. Fruit is grown over time, but gifts, gifts can be immediate. Gifts are given in a moment. You don't gotta wait for them. They don't got uh, They don't have to grow. They don't have have time to to uh, produce. They actually are given. I not all become available. All the gifts of the Spirit, not just one, that so many times the church focuses on. All the gifts of the Spirit become available for people. That's what you should expect. I'm so thankful for the divine gifts that God has given me in my life in this faith walk. But man's packaging has distorted and misrepresented the person of the Holy Spirit. We're a Pentecostal church, and sometimes Pentecostals. Many times that term has freaked out people. Before we launched, people check out our website, and then they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I saw that part where it said they're Pentecostal, and it freaked people out. Going, I don't know if I want to go there. I like what I'm feeling. I I like the people that go there. Man, I hear so many good things. I don't know if I want to go to a Pentecostal church. That word has freaked people out, and for many times, for good reasons. I get it. What does the word Pentecostal mean? It's not just, it doesn't mean weird church. (laughs) We're a Pentecostal church. What does that mean come from, Pentecostal? Well, the word Pentecost is actually nothing to do with church nothing to do with a fellowship of believers, nothing to do with the denomination, nothing to do with the church sign. It's actually a Jewish holiday that was before the time of Jesus walking the earth and the disciples. And it's a Jewish holiday that happens 50 days after another holiday in the Jewish calendar called Passover. It's interesting that Easter in the Christian calendar happened on Passover. And then 50 days later, as the Jews were celebrating Pentecost, That's when God poured out his Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit came to help us on the exact same festival holiday. That's why it's called Pentecost. And that's why we're called Pentecostals. And that's why we call this a Pentecost experience because of the Jewish holiday which it landed on. That's why. 50 days after Passover or in our case, 50 something days after Easter the day the the Holy Spirit came, and the church was on that holiday, and that's why it's called Pentecost. That's why we so celebrate that. We're called Pentecostals. Where do we see disciples in Scripture wanting and receiving the helper? This is important. If you're watching this, many of you, most of you, would say that you believe in Jesus Christ. You would say that you're believers. At some point in your life, you made a commitment to Jesus. You want to follow him, do the best you can, you believe in heaven and hell and the choice. You believe in the person of Jesus Christ. You believe that, that he is Lord and God and he came to forgive us for our sins. But where in scripture do we see the disciples wanting and receiving the helper, the Holy Spirit? I'm going to read Acts 19, verses 2 to 5. You'll see it on the screen. And it says this, Well, in verse 1, it says, While Paul was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. These are Christians. These are disciples of Jesus. He said, did you receive to believers, not unsaved people, not non-believers, to believers. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance of sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. He asked the disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became a believer? Here's the same question I want to ask you today. Did you receive help? Did you receive the Holy Spirit after you started believing in Jesus Christ? It's a great question. Baptism. What does that mean? Really, the word means to be immersed. It's not just to be christened or trinkled on. It's not just to get splashed on in anything. If you get immersed or baptized into a culture, it means you're fully in a culture. If you get... Some of you are going through some tough times. You get it says baptism by fire. It's not just, oh, that was a hard day. You're in a hard season. You're all in. Baptism means to be fully immersed. And in scripture, it's applied in three different ways: all separate, separate baptisms, all separate but important experiences. Number one, the baptism of salvation. It says in Galatians 3:27: all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It's a baptism. That's why we call it Nova Church. He says he makes all things new. Nova is Latin for new. When you believe in Jesus Christ, it's a new life. It's like new clothes. When you believe in Jesus, it's the baptism of salvation. When you accept Jesus, he baptizes you in forgiveness and repentance and grace, and the old you is gone, and the new year is here. It's a baptism of salvation. The second baptism in Scripture is the baptism of water. Uh, Baptism of water, we've had so many in our church do this, and so many of you have done this, and baptism of water is going public with your faith. You have a private commitment, which uh, which is a baptism of salvation. Jesus, I need you, forgive me, come in and make me new. But then you go public. It's like the wedding band on your marriage. Me and Nancy got married in a private ceremony with a few friends, but when we put on this wedding band, wherever we are in the world, together or separate, is telling the world, by the way, we went public with this. There's someone I'm committed to. Water baptism was never meant to save you. It was never meant to get you to heaven. It was meant to declare to the world of your commitment to Jesus Christ. It's saying, I'm, I've been baptized in salvation. I'm committed to Jesus. I want the world to see. That's what baptism in water is. It doesn't save you, and it's a separate experience. It's completely separate from salvation. And why? Because if water by baptism saved us, it would be by works, which means you could make it happen on your own, and it has to be by grace. It's not what we do that saves us. It's the goodness of God. And that's why baptism by water does not save you. It only tells people that Jesus saved you. That's baptism by water. And the third is baptism of the Holy Spirit. You might be sitting here on this live stream today going, I think I'll stick with the first two. I'm good with baptism of salvation, repentance. I'm good with baptism of water. But I think I'm going to pass on the third. It's all I need. And listen to me today. You'd be right. You don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't need, all you need to go to heaven is the baptism of salvation. That's it. If your focus is to get to heaven, when your eyes close for the last time, whether it be tomorrow or 70 years from now, all you need to go to heaven is a baptism of salvation, saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Come in and make me new. Forgive me of my sins. Remove my past. That's all you need. You're not a second-class Christian if that's all you have. You're no less. If all you say is, I want to be baptized with salvation, baptized into Jesus, that's all I need, that's all you need to go to heaven. You're not second class, but I want to encourage you not to miss out on the power to live a powerful and victorious life here and to have help. See, all you need to get to heaven is baptize the first baptism of believing in Jesus. But if you want to make a difference here and have power to live like Jesus, you need the baptism and I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another example in Acts chapter 8. I have this here, Acts chapter 8, in verse 12, it says this, it says, Now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God. and As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized and began following Philip wherever he went. It says this in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, that they believed a first baptism, Then they had a second baptism of water. Then in verse 15 and 16, watch this. They believed in Jesus. They got water baptized in verse 12. But look at verses 15 and 16 of Acts chapter 8. It says, As soon as they arrived, they prayed with these new believers, the Christians, to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a separate experience. The believers believed in Jesus. They got water baptized. But then the apostles showed up and said, listen, you need some help if you're going to walk this out. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Another example is in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. In the New King James, it says it like this. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, which is Jesus. It says in John 1, 1, in the beginning God sent the Word and the Word became flesh, Jesus. And The Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Three different people in in the Godhead, three different baptism experiences. That's the Trinity described right there. In John 5 8, it goes through the baptisms. It says in verse 8, and there are three that bear witness on earth. Notice this, not in heaven. We don't need the Holy Spirit in heaven. We need the Holy Spirit here to be like Jesus, to walk like Jesus to make change like Jesus. It says there are three that bear witness on earth. The spirit, which is spirit baptism. The water, which is water baptism. And the blood, which is Jesus' salvation baptism. And these three agree as one. Right there in that scripture, all three baptisms. There's more for us as believers. So thankful that hundreds, if not thousands watching this, have believed in Jesus Christ well, I'm thankful that there's more. We can go public with it with water baptism, but we can have help from the helper, the Holy Spirit baptism. Why do you need this real quick? Why do you need this? Well, because God designed us to live a spirit- empowered life. He never designed the church to be powered by willpower. Willpower is not enough. Some of you have so much willpower. I see it on your Instagram. You're out running and lifting weights and you're financially focused and you're you, you, will, willpower is not enough. To live like Jesus. And how do we, why do we need divine power? Because the job he gave us is impossible without God's presence. Some of you have become a Christian. You're like, man, it was awesome for the first month, man. I felt peace, no more shame. And then it got t- tough. And some of you have said, man, being a Christian is tough. Can I tell you today, being a Christian is not tough. It's impossible without the same power that Jesus had. The Holy Spirit of God. It would be unfair to assume we could follow Jesus with the same strength, power, or spirit that he had. That would be unfair. And God's a lot of things, but he's not unfair. And for Jesus said, follow me. And today he's still saying, follow me. It would be unfair for Jesus to say, follow me, do greater things than I did, uh, speak the way I spoke, love people the way I loved, and not have the same advantage that he had of divine help. Why are they separate experiences? Why don't, when we get saved, we have the Holy Spirit fill us at that same moment? Why? Why are they separate experiences? Because God didn't want anything we do to be a part of Jesus' salvation for us. It's not about what we can do. It's by grace alone. Also, salvation takes care of eternity. The other two, water baptism and spirit baptism, are for our time here We don't need the Holy Spirit when we're in heaven. We need him when we're here. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to walk with us and help us follow Jesus. Please don't miss this. The Father had the plan to rescue us and change the world. Jesus, the Son, was the plan. But the Holy Spirit, he comes to help us follow the plan. You want to follow Jesus? You can't do it on your own. I don't care how strong you are, how much you know, how many degrees you have, or what people you have around you. We need divine power to live like Jesus. Let me tell you my story today as I get ready to pray. This is my story. I grew up in church. I'm a church kid. God stepped in, a radical miracle. My family my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was suicidal. You know, some of you know the story. At one point, at the lowest low of depression, she tried, attempted to kill my sister, who was five, and me, when I was four months of age and take her own life. She was so hopeless in a dark place but God stepped in and rescued my family through a local church. But I grew up because of the radical change as a baby, my memories are only of an amazing home. I grew up in in church, it was an amazing upbringing. No one has a perfect life, but mine was pretty close. I've never been messed with. We always had food on the table. There was more joy in my home than there was anger. Uh, We had unity, loving parents, loving siblings. I had a pretty amazing upbringing. I prayed the prayer of salvation at age five. Part of our town called Spryfield. I kneel by my bed one night, and I bowed my knee, and my mother tells me the story that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. But if I'm honest, I don't remember that. For me, really at age 12 is when I remember making a commitment to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you at age 12. The same year, at age 12, I had my water baptism experience. I walked out into the tank of our church. I stood on a little block so people could see me. And i never forget, I'll still remember what I said. I reached for the microphone and I said, all I want to say, I had a speech impediment. <laughs> I said, all I want to say is I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I was 12. I got baptized and I went public in front of my friends and strangers and said, I meant what happened in private. I went public. Through my teenage years, I loved Jesus, and I was trying the best I could. But at age 19, I found myself believing in Jesus. I was leading the best I could. At that point, I was already leading prayer meetings in our church. I'd already preached a few times, probably 10, 15 times as a teenager, a few times a year. I was helping in our youth ministry under an amazing youth pastor and trying to change our city and help young people but I felt so weak in my faith. I had a hard time living the faith that I knew I wanted to follow. I remember feeling weak. Maybe you feel that way. I felt weak. I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I felt like I couldn't do it for long periods of time. I'd get stirred up at church, at youth group. I'd get stirred up at a conference. i like, this is it. And it would last for a week, maybe two, and then I'd go back into my same apathy, same thoughts, same routines, same struggles. I had real issues in my teens with anger and fear. It consumed me. It was the number one thing I prayed for, my parents prayed for over my life. I had this fear. I was timid, shy. But it also manifested and lashed out and overflowed this fear as anger. The low point in my life was around age 19. Again, I'm preaching the odd time. I'm leading prayer meetings. I love Jesus. I love Jesus, but... This anger would cause me to get in fights with, with people, and we'd go looking for fights in our city. Rival schools and people and neighborhoods, and, and it was more common. I remember being 19, and I don't know if this is, this is even gross to say. I remember craving the feeling of hitting someone, of getting in fights. Timid Mike Miller, <laughs> very skinny Mike Miller. It's dangerous to have a temper and be skinny. I love Jesus, but I felt so weak. And the low moment was in in the winter of age 19, I got pulled over by the cops after I kicked the front door in of this teenager's house that was fighting with friends and bullying my brother. And I kicked his front door in and the cops put me in the back of a cop car and they threatened to take me to prison that night. And I was so scared, I was terrified. I was at that age where I knew I was an adult and I could be in trouble. And it was an intersection of my life of what road I was gonna go down to was this, this, this temper, and this anger that I could not control. Maybe you've been there. You feel like it's an out-of-body experience. I couldn't control my words. I couldn't control my actions. I love Jesus, but I couldn't follow him all the time. I had moments. I felt so weak, scared me. It so scared me. Unable to be the Christian I know I was called to be and follow the Jesus I loved and the Jesus I read about in scripture. My life looked nothing like his. It did on Sundays. It did on youth group, but it didn't in private. And it didn't with my friends. My parents didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And I thought, I need to change something. So with my willpower, I signed up for a missions trip. Three months to the former Soviet Union to go teach English and help orphans. I thought, struggling, go do as much good works as you can. So I went and lived in an orphanage and helped uh, orphans in Russia, the former Soviet Union, and taught English to high schoolers. And I thought, this is going to be it. This is going to change me. And on my way, on that missions trip, I was in a service like this, like we've had in person, and this pastor preached from the front like I'm talking today with the person of the Holy Spirit, this Mennonite brother and pastor named Paul Francis. He prayed for me that night, and another leader named Phil And I can't explain explain it, but I can't deny it. I felt something change that day in my life. I was in the back of the room standing against the wall, didn't have my hands up, I wasn't that into it, I wasn't looking for God. But in that moment when these men prayed for me, I felt something change in my life. I can't explain it, but it was like a weight came off of me. I didn't laugh, I didn't jump around, I didn't see me act all weird, but I felt like a weight dropped off of me and this light went on in my life. It's like, it's like being inside your house on a summer day and you think it's bright, but then you go out in the noon sun. You're like, man, it is bright. I thought I had joy. I thought I had peace. I thought I had holiness. Until that moment, it's like the light went on and I felt different. It was a turning point in my faith. Am I perfect? Far from it. My wife will tell you that. But from that moment on, my temper left, anger left. My wife, she hears these stories, she's sitting to my side right now, and she laughs thinking, you with the temper, you angry. In 20 years, she goes, I've never seen you lay your hand on anyone. I've never seen you lose your temper or to control. Listen, you can fake it for a week. You can fake it through your dating. You can't fake it for 20 years. This isn't willpower. Something happened in my life. It was a turning point. I felt confidence like I had never known Fruit started growing in my life—joy, peace, power, kindness, gifts started showing up in my life from the Holy Spirit. Wisdom beyond my beyond my years. People would God would tell me things about people that needed help that no one ever told me. Amazing moments and stories where people go, "How do you know that?" I've never told anyone that. I saw some gifts happen—a uh, personal prayer language that I pray in daily to help me connect with God that I don't understand, but I sure enjoy my personal prayer language. Things I never should have known, God helping me, giving me to help people. I saw gifts given, and I saw fruits start to grow in my life. At age 20, a year later, I'm living in Plymouth, England. I'm in a prayer meeting with people, and I go back to my room by myself, and I said to God, I want all that you have. And in a dream, God gave me the vision for my life. building churches, pastoring. The very thing you're experiencing right now came out of a dream 25 years ago in Plymouth, England, that God through his Holy Spirit dropped in my life. He said, I wanna lead you, I wanna walk alongside you, I wanna help you. I wanna show you what the plan is in your assignment here. You're going to heaven, but we got some work to do here. And the Holy Spirit started speaking to me at age 29, been married for four years. Me and my wife were sitting in a church service. And a preacher from the pulpit called me out and he read my mail. He told me everything about my life, all the good things, all the dreams, all the passions that I had in my life in front of the whole church. And everything we're doing today can be traced back to that moment in that service when he ex- he explained what the next 20 years were going to look like. I've seen the Holy Spirit do things in services that I can't deny. And you're affected today by what God did in me and Nancy's life even at age 29. All those experiences with the person of the Holy Spirit, it awakened a desire for more. Nova Church is a church for those that want more of God. We just don't want a pew or a seat. We just don't want a couple songs and a nice message. If God has it, we want it. Nova Church was born for people far from God want to become closer to God. God, if you have it, we want to be close enough that we get it. New experiences, new levels, without all the packaging that turns people off from weirdness, but fullness of God, powerful and effective. Many people pass up these divine encounters because they resist what their mind can't understand. I get that. But if God was small enough for your mind, he wouldn't be big enough for your need. And I need help. You need help. There's more, real quick. How do you walk into Holy Spirit baptism? You say, Mike, I believe in Jesus. I've even been water baptized. How do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Number one, remove the barriers. Maybe you've been taught wrong, wrong doctrinal stu- uh, uh, doctrine and doctrinal stuff. Listen, can I encourage you, don't even listen to me today. Go get a blank piece of paper, open a, a blank page on your iPad, and go read the New Testament for yourself and write down everything about the person of the Holy Spirit, what he's like, what he does. Don't even believe me, go read your Bible. But sometimes we've gotta remove the barriers in our mind of bad experiences with with, with weird people and weird church and and, and abusive experiences where you felt manipulated or, or pushed physically or emotionally. Remove these barriers and go look in Scripture for yourself and say, what does the Bible say about the person of the Holy Spirit? Number two, request, ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's a gift you ask for. It's that simple. God, I want what you have for me. In Matthew 7 7:11 7 is a great story where you get things, but in Matthew 7 God has something for you. It says, so if you are sinful people, know how to give, give go- get good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? This calling that we're living in is too challenging to do to our own strength. He has the gift of a helper, a translator, a tour guide, a tutor, a teacher, a comforter, a helper. That's the best gift we could ever have. And Our good father, our heavenly father has given us. And all I can say is, God, if you have it, I want it. Remove the barriers and say, God, I want it. Third thing is receive him by faith. Most of what God has for you is gonna take what seems like risk. Trust and open yourself to all God has. And just by faith going, something may happen physically, maybe it doesn't, but by faith believing. I remove the barriers. God, if you have it, I want it. And simply receive him today going, Holy Spirit, I need help. I can't be the father, the man, I can't be the woman, the wife, I can't be the young adult, I can't be the teenager that I'm supposed to be on willpower alone, on small groups alone, on live streams alone. I need the same spirit, same power Jesus had if I want to have any influence on this world to live like Jesus lived. There is more. I'm going to pray two prayers real quick as we close. And we're going to go into one more worship song. And I believe God's going to do something special in your life today. I've never done a call for a baptism of the Holy Spirit on a live stream. But you know what? God's not limited by screens and distance and technology. Jesus was in person, but the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And he can be in your living room even today. The first person I want to pray for is you like, I don't know Jesus today. That's the first baptism. I don't know Jesus. Before you can have Holy Spirit help, you've got to give your life to Jesus. I want to pray for you right now. If that's you right now and you're just like, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to repent for my life. I need forgiveness. I'm a me- Forget help. I need forgiveness. I've been through some stuff. My life looks nothing like Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand wherever you are? Maybe you're with your bubble. Maybe you're by yourself. Just raise your hand and say, I need Jesus. Forgive me. And I want to follow Jesus. I've never done it. Let me pray. Father, right now, I just thank you, Jesus, that you forgave our sins. That you came to pay the price that we don't have to keep beating ourselves up. You got beaten for our sin so we don't have to live with regret and, and the scars of beating ourselves up for not being good enough. You were good enough. And we simply say, would you, through the price you prayed, would you cover our tab? Would you pay our bill? Jesus, forgive us. We accept you. We need you. We follow you in Jesus' name. The second prayer is for people that want to walk of power. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you've been coming to Nova. Maybe you prayed that prayer in person. Maybe you've even been water baptized. But your life, you love Jesus, but you have a hard time living like Jesus. You have a hard time dealing with anger and discrimination in your heart. Maybe it's lust or apathy. Maybe it's a temper like I had. Maybe you see even what's happening in our, in our nation, in our world right now on TV, and you feel thoughts of uh, of segregation and meet you thinking I don't want to live this way I don't want to think that way and you can't fight the way you were raised listen we need power to love people that don't look like us don't look like you don't act like you didn't work, don't talk like you people of every race every culture every background every economic standing every look, size and shape like I can't live this way you need the Holy Spirit I want to pray for you right now Before I pray, the Bible says in Romans 14, seven, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eat or drink. It's not meeting in a church and having coffee. It's not listening to worship. It's not getting together in small groups. It says the kingdom of God is living a life of goodness and of peace and of joy. I need some goodness and some peace and joy. But it ends with this, it says, in the Holy Spirit, you can never be good enough. You can never have enough peace. You can never have enough joy on your own. You need it in the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you right now today. I want to pray for you right now today. I want to pray this. I want to pray that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to sing this song, No Longer Slaves. If you would do this with me right now, if you would just close your eyes for a moment and say this after me. Say, God, if you have it, I want it. Holy Spirit, I need help today. I receive help. Would you come and immerse me? Not just my Sundays, not just my midweeks, not just my Mondays. Would you take over my whole life, my past, my present, my future? Take over my, 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 my strong parts and my weak parts. Would you take over my attractions and desires and weaknesses and strengths and visions and dreams and good and bad? And would you immerse me in your spirit? And would you grow goodness in my life? And would you give me power today to follow you? Holy Spirit, come now and fill my life. Let's sing this song together and believe for a miracle. We love you and we have help in the Holy Spirit.